dichotomy, egregious. Padded Room Radio is back on the air, you maniacs. My name is Darian. I am back for another week of horror bullshit. Coming straight to your face holes. I am flying solo this week. I apologize for that. Uh, Jason had to take his mom to the hospital. Um, I think she was choking on something, and then she just opted for a hospital visit just to, I guess, I I don't know. I don't know what she's doing, but uh, let's all wish her the best. Buddy's still at work. Monica, as yet, still unaccounted for. Um, yeah, not, I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> she doesn't even reply to my texts anymore. I was going to give her a free couch. I got a couch sitting in my garage. I said, here, you can have this. Your dogs will chew the fuck out of it, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. And then that was the last I heard from her. Anyway, what's going on with you guys? Anything fun? Anything cool? It's June now. I ran the Reno-Tahoe Odyssey last weekend. Oh, Jesus. Why do I keep doing this to myself, man? You know, it's a 178-mile relay race. Um, it is a giant... It's a human blast furnace, is what it is. And it's uh, an all-night affair. Uh, everybody has to run about 20 miles to cover the 178. You have a team at 12. Um, it's a thing. It's a whole last thing. Am I glad I did it? Yes. Am I going to do it again? Ah, I don't. I don't know, man. I'm having some serious thoughts about not not doing team runs anymore and just sticking to the solo efforts because there's a lot of variables. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to get wrapped up in the minutia of it, but it can. It can go. It can go south fast or slowly, as the case was, and. Uh, it can sour relationships, I feel like. So maybe from now on, I'll just stick to the uh, the solo stuff. Anyway, uh, I got a regular horror show to get into here, kids. I got listener mail. I got uh, horror news. I got other things brewing on the back burner. Let's kick things off with a little horror news, you motherfuckers. horror news i got big dead by daylight news all right it's not only the name of my running team but it's actually a video game uh as of right now this very day uh a new update has dropped featuring a new killer and a new survivor the killer is something called the dredge 
Now, I just downloaded it. I haven't got much time to play it yet, but my son's out there learning all the tactics and the secrets of the dredge and how to kill people with it. Um, it looks pretty dope. It's got... It looks a lot... So I, I got a glimpse of it before I came in here, and I also got a glimpse of its map. It came with a, a map. And I got to tell you, dude, it looks an awful lot like the thing from Color Out of Space. And the map looks very similar to the to Nicolas Cage's farmhouse. I'm not saying that's what it is. I haven't gotten a chance to look into the backstory or anything. Uh, the survivor that came with it doesn't look anything like anybody from the movie. So I'm going to say this is not a licensed property. But it, it, it stunning similarities. Is That's all I'm going to say. Uh, also in Dead by Daylight news, here's something I'm a little... I guess I'm excited for in a weird way, in a crazy kind of, maybe give me a boner kind of a way. Uh, Behavior International has announced a Dead by Daylight spinoff game. It's called Dead by Daylight Hooked on You. Now, I, I, I know a lot of you guys don't play that, but for those of you that do, you'll see the irony in that, that title. This is actually going to be a dating sim, Okay. Think about that for a second. Now, I don't know the the full details. It's not going to release until sometime this summer. But from what I gather, I mean, do you guys know what a dating sim is? It's very weird. It's a very strange thing. Um, basically, it's like a uh, it's like your your date. It's like you have like a AI girlfriend, and then you send her texts. And if you um, I don't know answer correctly, she'll ask you questions. If you answer correctly, she'll send you naughty pics. That kind of a thing. It's, they're out there. You can find them on iOS. They're kind of weird to play. I've dabbled in a couple. Uh, you don't get to see any nipples or a bush or vaginas or anything. Believe me, I've done the research. But this Dead by Daylight dating sim is apparently going to give you the ability to date your favorite killers and survivors. Um, <laughs> I mean, I got I got to check it out now. I'm such a fanboy for the fucking game. I got to see what's going on. So the question is, which killer do I want to... I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Darian, which killer do you want to date? Uh, that's a tough one. I think probably the spirit is the hottest. Uh, she's the Japanese schoolgirl. I would imagine that none of the licensed properties are going to show up in the dating sim. You don't want to date like a Pinhead or a Leatherface or a Freddy Krueger. Although Amanda from uh, Saw, she's one of the killers. I don't know if she'll be an option. I would say probably the spirit would be my go-to. The nurse, also not looking bad, depending on which outfit you put her in. Uh, that's, uh, I think that's about it. There's the plague, but she's all fucked up. Uh, the huntress, that's a, that's a whole lot of woman right there. Um, who else you got there? The twins, but, you know, single moms. <laughs> um, who else you got out there? I think that's about it, really. Um, as far as, like, hot chicks... In Dead by Daylight. Now, if they're going to open up the survivors to date, there's quite a few in there that I would like to get to know better. Kate Denson would be my my first choice. Uh, she's the country singer. Um, who else you got there? Oh, um, Jane Romero. She's a plus-size woman, but I'm okay with that. Um, um, Nia Carlson, the Swedish uh, anarchist. There's, there's a lot of, especially with all the, the fun little outfits you can put on them. There's some, some sexy options in there. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Nev Campbell has confirmed that she will not return from sc- for Scream 6. Now, a couple of thoughts on this. 
Apparently, they offered her a role, and she turned it down because they weren't going to pay her enough. And then there was a counteroffer, and then she turned that down, too, because she's basically holding out for more money. And then eventually, she told them to go fuck themselves. Now, I was talking to Dusty from the basement about this earlier in the week. Uh, it's a weird thing. This, the, like the horror staples, the actors that become horror properties. You know, where you got your Robert England, your Tony Todd. Uh, you could put uh, Heather Langenkamp in that group. Um, of course, uh, Nev Campbell that we're talking about. Once you once you like pin yourself to a horror character or franchise, you're stuck there, man. And the good news is that they'll keep you going because they keep cranking out sequels. So you'll be working for a long time and you'll cash many a paycheck, especially if you can get on the back end, like get a piece of the merchandising or something like that. But uh, once you like, when have we ever seen Robert England in a decent movie? No, I don't think we have. Other than, I mean, the Nightmare on Elm Street's obviously. Other than that, I don't think we have. Um, we've seen him in a lot of movies. Uh, his name is on a lot of posters. Same thing with Tony Todd. Same thing with uh, Heather Langenkamp. Um, I, I would say the one exception to the rule is probably um, what's her name there, um, Lori Strode. Um, God damn it. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis. She's had a, a pretty good career outside of horror and outside of Laurie Strode. So she's probably the one exception. But I don't understand that because, like, if you think about it, the, the range of acting you have to go through as a survivor girl especially. You know, you have to be happy at the beginning and then sad and then terrified and this guy died and oh, my God, and then you come back. So I don't under, I don't understand why these chicks don't get more work. Heather Langenkamp I can understand because let's face it she's not that great of an actress. Um, Nev Campbell though attractive. Uh, I don't know I don't know what have we seen her in anything decent besides the Scream movies and the Craft? I think that's about it really. Didn't she pop up in uh, uh, I don't know some fucking rom com somewhere at some point? I don't know man. It's a weird thing. If I was Nev Campbell, I would ride the scream train right into the fucking ground. You pay me whatever you want. Keep my face in front of that camera. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be in Scream 39 if you want me to. I don't care. Dig up my bones. Put them up in there. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what else we got here? All of Us Are Dead has been renewed for a second season at Netflix, which is pretty cool. I've heard good things about that show. Korean Zombies. Yeah, some would say uh, superior to other zombies. Uh, speaking of Netflix news, it looks like the final and third season of Lock and Key will premiere on August 10th. I am almost caught up on Lock and Key. I dipped into the second season, and um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get all the way through that one. That's a pretty good show, and you can watch it with your kids too. So there's that. Uh, lastly, it looks like you can now stream The Northman on Peacock. Um, it looks good. Yeah, I can't tell if it's just like a Viking action situation or if there's some kind of mythology twist in there or it's, uh, it looks bloody. It looks like a lot of dudes get killed in The Northman. I'm going to hope, I'm hoping to check it out sometime this week. Maybe we can brush up on it in next week's What Are You Looking At? That's all we got on the horror news, you maniacs. You guys ready for some listener mail? (laughs) 
Listener mail. You betcha. Let's start things off over in Sydney, Australia. Here comes our man from down under. Tim is in the house. Are you listening to Horror for Dummies? Yes, you are. Don't lie to me. If you're not, I'm going to have to spank you. I'm going to have to spank you. And then I'm going to tell you to listen to Horror for Dummies. I don't know how you cannot listen to Horror for Dummies and listen to this show. You're out of your mind, man. What are you doing? Get over there. You're going to love it. Uh, subject line, flying always wins. Hello, you wonderful people. Hope everyone is happy and healthy. Terradome, I'm taking the Lost Boys on this. They're cooler. Darian, are you the hello experiment? <laughs> That's it for me this week. Love you all. Tim, um, I'm not the hello experiment, Tim, but I know what happened there, my friend. That is a typo from your phone, and you were meant to say the Belco experiment, and that is exactly what I am this week, the Belco experiment. You guys seen that one? It's a pretty good show. I almost mentioned Tony Goldwyn as a middle manager in there, and I think that would have given it away. That's why I caught myself last week, so I didn't uh, hand it to you guys. Thanks for writing in, Tim. You're a beautiful and wonderful man. Speaking of beautiful people, let's get over to jolly old England. Here comes the horror slut. Cats in the house. Subject line, sexy boys. I think I know who she's voting for. Evening, gents. I must say I'm enjoying hearing the added voices lately, and I may need your OnlyFans info for scientific reasons, of course. Hee <laughs> hee, my vote goes to the sexy lost boys because they are sexy. About time to start my shift. I hope you all have a safe and healthy week, cat. Right on, cat. Um, <laughs> my OnlyFans uh, works in a different way where I start off naked and then people pay me to put my clothes back on. So if you're into that sort of thing, that's the way to go. Right on, cat. Thanks for writing in. Uh, let's see what we got here. Back here to Reno, Nevada. Here comes the cowboy. Subject line, flying without wings. Evening padded room. Hope everyone is doing well. I made it in tonight. Do you do have to agree with Tim about enjoying Jason back on the show? His creepy old guy voice fits in wonderfully. <laughs> you know, he uh, he sounds a lot older than he actually is, which is kind of a weird thing, I guess. I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. Best wishes for Monica and her family and to Buddy's mom. Darian, can we sign up for your OnlyFans to keep your clothes on? Yes, of course, uh, cowboy. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Asking for a friend, of course. I did mistype last week. The Stranger is a vamp movie. I blame work for that. That's what I thought, cowboy. It's a pretty good show. It's heavy on the melodrama. If you guys have seen The Stranger by Eli Roth, it's interesting. It is an interesting take on the vampire mythos and. Uh, it, it dips its toes into that morose vampire, you know, moping about kind of, oh, I'm cursed, I can't, blah, 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 kind of a situation. But uh, there is still some gore, and you kind of feel bad for the guy towards the end, once he kind of breaks everything down, which is the argument that I've made all the while when it comes to vampires versus werewolves. People are asking me all the time, stopping me out on the street, Darian, if I could make you a vampire or a werewolf, which would you choose? The answer is simple. It's, it's an easy equation. You have to go werewolf. Being a vampire sucks. And I don't, I, I realize how that sounds, but I didn't mean it that way. You know what I'm talking about. All right, anyway, back to uh, Cowboy here. 
Jason did make a perfect comment last week that I kept repeating. Ha ha. At least it wasn't Bakersfield. <laughs> and I'm going to have to use that for describing shitty places from now on. Now I'm curious as to everyone's personal shittiest place they had to go. Had family in town this weekend, so didn't get to watch shit, but I did grill for about 25 people. Ha ha. Terra Dome, I'm guessing the demons from Night of the Demons. And if so, my vote goes to the Lost Boys because they can fly and they are cooler. Well, I mean, there's no there's no discounting flashy dress. You know what I mean? That can go a long way as far as combat and just voting in general. Uh, about the Winnie the Pooh horror. If you have a link, please let me know because I want to look into that. Hopefully it's not turned into the horror being based on the mental depression the original story is. I'd love to see Pooh straight up eat someone with all the gore we enjoy. Educate this week, I think you're the Belko experiment, though I have yet to watch the movie. As for last week's The Devil's Candy, that has been on my list for a while, but still haven't watched it. But good to hear that it's worth the time. I enjoyed The Devil's Candy. I also enjoyed The Belko Experiment. Uh, I got lucky with The Belko Experiment. I found it at the dollar store, dude. How dope is that? I found, I'd struck gold there one day. I found The Belko Experiment and Cairo on the same day. At the dollar store. DVDs. Booyah! $2 win for the D-Man. Immersion Therapy. I did watch all the Hell House movies a bit ago and thought they were okay. They could have done better with the story execution and trying things together in my opinion. But still enjoyed them. Back to the grind because unlike Buddy, I don't get to take extra days off willy-nilly. Haha. Hope everyone has a great week and catch you on the flip. Cowboy! Right on, Cowboy. Thanks for writing in, buddy. Alrighty, we got some voicemails to get into here. Oh, let's see who's up on the mental health hotline. It looks like Tom Hardy called in a few times. Oh shit, we did it now. Hey yo! Hey yo, padded room. How's my favorite degenerate? I'm here. I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope you have someone to talk to again. Uh, it's always nope. good to hear a familiar voice. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mr. Brock, yes, I want to get in on the, um, the what are you looking at apartment. Yeah, what do you got? Uh, I got to catch the new Candyman. Oh, what do you think? I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. I have. I got to say, I thought it was actually pretty good, okay. and I thought it, I thought it started like pretty good. I thought it was, but it kind of tapered off at the end for, yeah. for my taste. Um, I get it. I, get I don't want to say nothing to spoil, yeah. but I kind of liked how huh. initially, at least the way I was taking it, was like um, the flick we saw in the beginning happened. Right. But these people here, they saw it from another perspective uh, than, than the way we saw it. Okay. And uh, I kind of liked that. Like, oh, man, I was, that's a pretty good take on it, like. You know, I don't want to say too much because it is kind of I'm, still new, but right. but then later it was like it became very obvious. No, it's, it's not that they they saw it right, and the movie was the original movie was wrong, and right. I don't know. It, it kind of kind of bummed me out on it. Kind of took me out from there. Yeah. All in all, I thought it was actually a pretty good flick, which I, really surprised me because I remember when they were were talking about a remake. I was like, ah, fuck, man, what are they going to do with this? Uh, you know, this, honestly, I mean. I, I think Candyman, the original, is a fucking absolute fantastic Absolutely. Movie. It doesn't need a remake. It doesn't need one. It, it's, 
it's so good on its own when people sometimes, you know, shit on like 90s horror. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, people always, oh, well, what about, you know, Blair Witch? And what about, uh, you know, the first screen flick? And uh-huh. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about fucking Candyman? Candyman? Yeah, that, that was an exceptional flick. I agree. Anyway, I, I won't go on too much more about it. But like I said, I just wanted to say I, I actually thought it was pretty good. Uh, okay. Remake as well. I'm into it. Um, oh, remake, on the so. educating department. Come on, tell me I'm going two in a fucking row here. What you got, Felco buddy? Felco experiment? Did I get yeah, it? You did it. Fuck me, man. You did it, Tom Marty. Wind. I don't know. It's Woo. my birthday or some damn thing. Something's going on here. But yes, sir. Oh man, I think I'm two in a row. That, that I have to go a little harder on you this time. Summer. Okay. Uh, I wanted to also get in on the Terror Dome. What do you think? And um, we got the demons and the the Lost, Lost Boys. Boys. Oh, did he get GP? You know, I, I, I kind of am, I'm kind of both ways on this. I, I kind of feel like I could see it either way. It just I really think it kind of depends on which demons we're exact, talking about. Exactly. There's only there's only one Lost Boys. I don't think we're going with those the tribe or nah. whatever. Nah. You don't want that. Uh GP, uh as he is wont to do. Couple of things before we move he called back uh not once but twice, but a couple of things before we move on from the uh, the Candyman thing. I also rather enjoyed it. It is a impacted colon full of social commentary, as you would come to expect. I mean, I just about every goddamn horror movie that comes out today has got somebody's take on uh, fucking, uh, I don't know, uh, the Trump regime or the goddamn, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter or whatever the hell. Some, they had some political angle to it so that being said you have to expect that from Candyman. um the thing though about that i i was not mad at, at it at all despite all of that um the number one problem i had with Candyman is they tweaked the mythos <clears throat> and i don't like tom hardy i don't want to give too much away but they moved away from daniel robitaille and as far as i'm concerned man daniel robitaille whether he's played by Tony Todd or not, is Candyman. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the Candyman. That's I, I can't I can't iterate too much around it. But I think we all know at this point that the the protagonist of this is the baby that um, what's her name there? Um, um, uh, God damn it! Uh, Helen pulled out of the bonfire at the end of the original Candyman. So this is technically a direct sequel to the first Candyman. Okay, I'm with you so far. But from that point forward, we completely push Helen and Daniel Robitaille off to the side. And we bring in a, a new situation. And I don't want to give too much away. But if you're going to go to the point of making our protagonist the, the baby that was saved from the bonfire, then, I mean, Daniel Robitaille... That was Daniel Robitaille that put him in there to begin with, and it was Helen that pulled him out. So why are we? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I didn't care for that. I did not care for the the what they did with the the Candyman mythos because I thought that we had pretty well decided up front that Daniel Robitaille. I'm not. I'm not lobbying for Tony Todd. I love. I love me some Tony Todd. And as far as I'm concerned, he is Candyman and Daniel Robitaille. 
But if we're in remake country, by all means, we can recast them. Um, but that being said, why do we need to... It's like saying that uh, 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 there was multiple Freddy Kruegers. And, um, you know, or there, it wasn't just Jason Voorhees wearing the hockey mask killing people. It's a very dumb thing to do, man. And I didn't care for that part. The kills were awesome. The special effects were awesome. Um, they they did some weird shit with the Cabrini Green situation. Um I, 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 all right. I don't want to. I'm, I feel like I'm spoiling the movie, and I, I'm not going to do that. So let's move right along. Here comes Tom Hardy again. Round two. How do you do? Oh shit! Uh, here he is. G motherfucking P. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Um. So as I was saying, you know, I think it depends on which demons, and the demons I always think about are actually the ones from. Hmm. From the uh, Italian flicks, Demons and Demons 2. Oh, okay. Those are good and, ones. And, uh, ah, fuck it. I kind of like them. Well, yeah. I know they can't fly, Darian. They can't. But I, I still think problem. I'm going to go with the Demons. Okay. Uh, I love the Lost Boys, but, uh... Demon it up, man. I mean, come on. They're, they're just kind of some fuck-ups. I mean, they're what we all wanted to be at, you know, 13 or yeah. whatever. But I, I think i got to go with the Demons That's on this fine. one. Just thinking logically. Sure. Uh, real quick things, if I may. Of you course. finished up the Scream franchise. We did. And, you know, I've, we've gotten your thoughts on that. Uh-huh. Gotta ask. Sure. In my opinion, it's one of the the better franchises out there. I think so. Especially huh? you consider the number of flicks. I mean, there's, there's five now. Correct. Um, you know, like, I mean, I'm a huge Friday the 13th guy. That's my favorite franchise. But legitimately, like good flicks out there i gotta say it's got to be of the horror flicks with with you know at least three four five entries uh-huh. one of the best um okay. consistently you know consistently uh, one of the best i know the evil dead is probably in there as well right but I, I think scream could be could be right along there with something that has that many that many sequels just my opinion just my thoughts one last thing i know i'm droning on here no, but, by uh, all means you were kind of talking about um, hmm. elevated horror last week, yeah, um, and how it kind of came up in in the fifth screen flick, right? And uh, kind of what the definition of or what is elevated horror? And I don't know if this is right. This is kind of how I've always thought about it, or always kind of thought about it for myself. Was kind of like uh, when the elevated horror, which I think is pretty shitty because it kind of says or suggest at least that everything before before it was, you know, lowbrow bullshit. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. But yeah. the way I always understood the term was when it was, you know, talking about uh or the themes of the movie were more than more than just uh the parts of it. So uh kind of like um how would you put it you know, when when the horror isn't or the monster isn't a true monster, you know, kind of uh, like the Babadook, I think, is the one that really kind of gets a lot of attention for sure. this. And kind yeah. of, I, I'm in no way started the elevated horror um, craze or what have you. Right. But uh, it gets a lot of attention and, and a lot, you know, deservingly so for, for kind of bringing, I guess, elevated horror, I want to say back to the mainstream. Okay. Because if, if you really look at it, um, uh, GP again. Okay, so this is a whole. <laughs> this is a couple of conversations to have here. Uh, first off, let's talk about the Scream franchise. Now, I'm not I, as a franchise. 
I'm not mad at it. Uh, the problem, and I think Jason summed this up most eloquently, is the repetition of it. Now, that being said, we can point to movies like um, or franchises like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street or a Friday the 13th, where, let's be honest, they made the same goddamn movie six or eight times, different kids, different haircuts, same meat grinder. But the, the difference there, Mr. Hardy, is that when you go into Friday the 13th part, uh, I don't know, seven, you know what you're getting. There's going to be a bunch of kids. They're going to go up to the lake. They're going to get topless, have sex with each other. Jason's going to come along, and then one of them will emerge as our survivor girl, and that will be that. And that's exactly what we were promised, and that's exactly what they delivered. Now, in the case of the Scream franchise, um, basically what they're selling us is murder mysteries. These are more or less giallos, but with a 90s teen twist to it, which is kind of cool. Um I'm not at all mad at the Scream franchise, but with that repetition and with the ease that we went, that like the, the red herrings that they balled up and threw at us, movie after movie after movie, uh, it became so, you know, rep- repetitive that we knew right off the bat, okay, it's clearly not Officer Judy because she's being way too creepy for no goddamn reason. They want us to think it's Officer Judy. It's not. It's somebody else. It's an innocuous character from Act 1. Okay, fair enough. And then we got to trot out the same old characters. Sydney's going to come in and uh, find out who it is and probably kill him. She's going to get stabbed or shot once or twice in the meantime. Dewey, same thing. Uh, over and over, like, ah, damn, man, uh, Scream 3 was really bad for a number of reasons. Trying to uh, put them on the, the set of the, the Stab movie and have it, the whole shit go down there instead. At that point, all we were doing is poking fun at various horror tropes, right? Uh, first, we were making fun of horror movies in general, Scream 1. Scream 2, we were making fun of horror, horror sequels. Scream 3, we were making fun of uh, the horror, I guess, in- horror film industry with all the studio stuff. Uh, Scream 4, we're making fun of horror fans. By the way, that's me. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'm not mad at the Scream franchise. I wouldn't say it's one of the best. <clears throat> if I had to pick my all-around favorite franchise just off the top of my head, and this kind of speaks to your elevated horror situation, Tom Hardy. I I hate to admit this, but I'm going to have to go with Saw. And the reason I pick Saw is because it broke so many fucking molds. Within the depth of those, uh, what are we up to, nine movies? We had, we had sequels, and then we had like parallel movies that were happening at the same time as other movies. And then we found out later that this actually happened before that. We did. We broke all kinds of rules with that shit. And uh, people get all mad. Yeah, it's just torture porn, torture porn, blah, blah, blah. You're right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It is torture porn. Uh, that's one of the reasons we keep watching is because we want to see what grisly apparatus uh, Jigsaw has cooked up for these fuckheads. And by the way, most of them deserve to be put in these things. And then we want to see them squirm and wiggle and end up getting caught on fire or whatever. But the underlying current, the underlying story that runs underneath that and attaches itself to other movies along the way is something that is worth checking out. We didn't see that in Friday the 13th. We didn't really see much of it in Scream. 
you know, other than uh, Sidney Prescott wearing the Greek letters from Scream 2 in Scream 3, that was really about it as far as callbacks go, you know. Uh, never again was there a mention of Billy Loomis's mom or, um, you know, Officer McSteeny that she, I think, moved in with at the end of Scream 3. He's gone in the wind, baby. Not, not even a uh, line of dialogue as to what happened, you know. So that that's that's my opinion. I'm glad you enjoy the Scream franchise. Uh, I'm not mad at it, Tom Hardy. I'm not mad at it at all. I wouldn't put it. I would put it. Um, well, shit. Uh, maybe top ten, top fifteen, maybe. I mean, I don't. That, but then again, that speaks to what I was talking about last week and how horror fans can fall in love with horrible movies. You know what I mean? I got to tell you, I love me some Hellraiser. I know 90% of those movies are dog shit, but I still love them just because I love seeing Pinhead. All right, he called back a third time now that I've completely derailed his uh, phone calls. Uh, here we go, GP'd on the triple down. Double the fucking Pete, hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Hey, sorry, I'm No, you're fine. Um, so like I was saying, like kind of when the monster isn't really a monster, but it's like, oh, it's regret. That yeah. is the true monster that right. haunts us all or, sure. or whatever. You know, I kind of think that that's what I see kind of as elevated horror. But, you know, I want to be really clear. If you think about it, this shit's been around forever. You know, really good horror for it looks like all the way back to even Frankenstein. You know, sure. it, it, it is metaphorically about something else than this monster and you know of course uh, night of the living dead you know is another one that comes to mind mm-hmm. as, as elevated horror but for some reason it doesn't get to be categorized as elevated horror like the the uh the descent um comes to mind as elevated horror and i'm, I'm pretty sure that predates uh, the babadook and it does those kind of flicks that uh, again you know it's the monster isn't a real beast. It's actually a suicide that they're talking about. And that's the real mo- I think that's what, that's, that's at least how I see modern um, elevated horror. Okay. Anyway, just my thoughts, my opinions. Hope all is well. Love you, like family. Bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. <clears throat> Thank you for calling in. So while we're on the topic of elevated horror, I think uh, that, that seems like a very pretentious term to me. And I think Tom Hardy summed that up beautifully when he said the term elevated means that this horror is above other horror and that other horror before it was just mindless dog shit. And, um, you know, appealing to the lowest common denominator of us horror fans who just want to see blood, boobs, and machetes, which is fine. Yeah, you're right. That's what we want to see (laughs) most of the time. But let's let's talk about elevated horror. Now, what do you suppose that means? It, there is some implied metaphor, and that I I, w- I would change the the phrase elevated horror to thought provoking horror. So take a movie like um, oh perfect perfect example, The Haunting of Hill House. Okay, or as it was originally titled, The Haunting. Uh, the Shirley Jackson novel, which was made into various iterations. Now, the ghosts in that movie, while they are typically ghosts, one can certainly draw an argument that the the entire crux of the, the, the novel or the movie has nothing to do with ghosts. It has to do with the mental illness of Eleanor, the protagonist, right? So to that degree, um, 
I wouldn't necessarily call it ele- that doesn't make it better. That doesn't make that doesn't elevate it above a uh I don't know, a Texas chainsaw massacre in my opinion. In my, in certain cases I think it makes it way more pretentious because at there, there's a departure that happens in that formula where you're no longer making a horror movie. You're making a movie about uh, a crazy lady. You can you can have horror elements in it, but the horror the 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 frightening and disturbing portion of that is gone. You've removed it from us and replaced it with a bunch of metaphorical horseshit. So we're no longer scared because we know that everything that's happening is in her head. So unless you can throw up maybe some disturbing imagery or some jump scares or some other cheap tricks, we've already checked out as horror fans. We're not afraid of this monster because it's not a monster. It's her. She's the monster. Now, to that end, as I was just stating... Does that make it better? Does it, quote-unquote, elevate it? No, I don't think it does. Um, If you really want... I mean, I can find some pretentious shitbag articles in these wackadoodle, uh, quote-unquote, publications that can draw all kinds of metaphorical fucking things to goddamn... None of it's going to make a lick of sense, okay? Uh, Child's Play, for example. Oh, this is clearly a statement about consumerism and the price we pay around Christmas time to keep our children happy. No, it's not. No, it's not. Some fucking asshole somewhere can write that, uh, jack himself off while he's doing it, thinking about how smart he is. It's a, it's a fucking movie about a killer doll you idiot, okay? That's what the movie's about. It's a horror film about a killer doll. Okay, now, if you choose to elevate that horror movie and make it into something it's not, that's on you. I don't have to buy into it. I can just say it's about a it's a ridiculous fucking uh, doll that kills people and walk away. And that's what I'm going to choose to do as a horror fan most of the time. Take, uh, oh, what the hell was it? Um, we watched it the other week. It was a fucking... I forget what it was, but basically none of us got it. Uh, hold on. It wasn't one of the Scream movies. It was something else. It wasn't Attack of the Killer Donuts. Tomatoes. I don't remember. But uh, there was a movie that we watched, and it had it was chock full of that horse shit. And at the end of us, end of the movie... Oh, uh, Men. Men is what I'm talking about. Um, I, I'm not smart enough to get it. So if there is some metaphor there about misogyny or... Um, fucking, I don't know, uh, women in the workplace or some other fucking thing, you failed. You failed to get your point across because uh, the horror fan, the regular guy, the horror fan like me and you that are listening to this show that went to the, that paid the $17 to watch that movie, we did not receive your message. We, we, we thought we were watching a, a haunted house movie. And at the end, a bunch of really ridiculous shit happens that made us completely forget about everything we saw before that. Okay, Tom Hardy, thank you very much for calling in. Your votes are locked. I've now droned on long enough, but you kind of got me going on a rant there. That being said, my friends, I have got a movie to get into with you right now. You guys ready? Watch it. We've been to some of the most chaotic, war-torn places in the world, but never for something as bizarre as this. Here we are. Welcome to Eden Parish. You guys built all this? Father had a vision, and we built heaven here on Earth. Who is Father? He's the guy that started all of this. Can we speak with him at some point? He agreed to sit for an interview tonight at the gathering. It's been pretty amazing. 
Everyone we talk to seems to feel that this is everything they ever wanted, and they all credit you for that. Oh, I don't deserve the credit. You come down here, and I'll give you a place to live. I'll give you a job. I'll give you a bed. These people, my family, my children, when you write this up, just know that you're dealing with their lives. What's really going on here? This place is not what it seems. Hey, what's happening? These people want to leave. They have their suitcases packed. I have no idea what to do. Sam, do not get involved in this. Please take my daughter. What? We can't let them go back to New York. Oh, this is the last sacrament. Hey! Hey! How many more people can fit in this thing? I want you to film this. It's important. It's funny. Take it. Take it. Take it. That's right, boys and girls. We're talking about the sacrament here in uh, Cult Month in the Padded Room. It is from 2013, written and directed by Ty West, got six stars on IMDb. Stars, Joe Swanberg, Swanberg, Swanborg, A.J. Bowen, and Kentucker Audley. Kentucker. <laughs> Interesting name. I hope that's a stage name. I hope he was not born Kentucker. What do you go by, Kent? If your name is Kentucker, I would assume so. Or Tucker. If I've, my first name was Kentucker, I'd probably go by Tuck. Tucker, Tuck, Tucker, Tucker, one of those two. Anyway, um, this one got six stars on IMDb. It's got a hard R rating. I got a kill count of roughly 167. We'll get more into that as the story goes on. Uh, basically, what we have here, inmates, if you haven't seen this already, is a dramatization of the events of the Jonestown Massacre, or the Jonestown Tragedy, however you choose to See that? Um, it's a mass suicide that happened in the 1970s in southern South America. Uh, a religious cult leader by the name Jim Jones led his cult, the People's Temple, to what was going to be a socialist paradise in Jonestown, Guyana. And um, a senator went down there to check it out. Uh, when the senator got down there, everything seemed super cool, like the first day. Second day, people started pulling him and his team in aside, asking them to get that, help them get out of there. And then the senator's like, okay, well, I'm going to send some help. And then they killed the senator and his team. And then they all committed mass suicide by drinking cyanide-laced flavor aid. Um, over 900 dead in the actual event. Um, pretty gnarly. Pretty gnarly shit. I think Alan said his dad or his uncle was like one of the army guys that was receiving the dead bodies from Guyana in the 70s. That's a fucking tough job to have, because we're talking about babies and, uh, you know, kids, elderly. They even killed the pets, man. There was dead dogs and shit in the videos. In the If you want to Google image this, I don't recommend you do, but you can. There's all kinds of images. And what's even worse, this part is particularly gnarly. Now that I'm already off on a true crime rant, um, 
there is like a two and a half hour audio tape. And it's um, basically that final, the final, what, what they what they referred to as Operation White Knight. And that was when Jim Jones gave the hammer down on, you know, we're all going to, we're all going to drink the Kool-Aid and die tonight because we don't have any choice. It's two hours of him telling people to drink cyanide. Now, in the background of that two hours, you can hear people like coughing and hacking and screaming and like, you know, vomiting and things like that. But as the two hours goes goes on, that background noise gets quieter and quieter and quieter as the people are dying off. It's really a good, like if you're having too good of a day, <laughs> you you feel you need something to tone yourself down a little bit. That would be a good way to do it because that will ruin your fucking day any anytime. All right, enough about that shit. So basically what we have to do here, inmates, is pretend that we didn't know any of that and uh, that this is just going to be a fictionalized thing and um, has nothing to do with anything because that's basically how it goes down. So we start off with Vice.com. This is actually a real news organization somewhat. Uh, They are out of Williamsburg, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and they do like renegade news. They covered like weird stories and political angles and things like that. Uh, they, if you get a chance, go check out vice.com. They've got some very um, interesting travel articles and some historical perspectives and things like that. A lot of interesting, interesting stuff over there. Uh, vice.com, we're going to meet our three protagonists. We've got Sam, Jake, and Patrick. As these three journalists are hanging out at a local bar one day, a text message text message comes to Patrick from his sister. Now, um, his sister is supposed to be in a sober living community somewhere in rural Mississippi. Okay, uh, she goes. Uh, he hasn't heard from her in like five six years. He she goes on to explain to him that you know they've they've left rural, rural Mississippi and they're now in a undisclosed location, but they've started their own kind of local government and uh, their own community and everything is beautiful. It's the best thing ever. And uh, she wants him to come down and check it out. So immediately the red, the red flags go up on the other two dudes. They're like, man, this sounds like a cult. And he's like, yeah, I know, but I got to go see what my sister's got herself into. So immediately they're like, okay, well, this is a story. Let's go, let's do a story on it. It'll be awesome. So within this, you know, trio of dudes, uh, Sam, played by A.J. Bowen, he's like the main journalist. He's the one that writes the stories and asks the questions. Uh, Jake, played by Joe Swanberg, is one of the cameramen. And Patrick is a photographer, like a still photographer. These guys, A.J. Bowen and Joe Swanberg, they've become like the horror brat pack of the 2010s, right? It's, uh, it's these two, uh, Swanberg, Bowen, Ty West, who directed this, uh, what's his name? Adam uh, Wingard, Simon Barrett. Um, uh, I guess you could put Eli Roth in there. He's kind of like a uh, mentor to all these dudes. And they've made some really great horror, independent horror films. Uh, You're Next, they were all in. Um, the Roost that we talked about last week. I was hoping Jason would be here this week to find out what he thought about it. But they, they've kind of created like an elite horror cadre of indie horror filmmakers. And they're all doing really great stuff these days. Uh, anyway, I th- but speaking of Joe Swanberg, you, you know who I'm talking about? He's been, he's, he was the uh, Dickie brother in uh, Your Next. There's something about his face. I just want to punch him in the face. 
I'm sure he's a sweet dude. I would never actually physically assault him, but looking at him, I kind of want to. I kind of want to swing. I'm sorry, Joe Swanberg. I don't. I'm sure you're a wonderful human being, and I would never. But like, if a guy uh, that looked like you bumped into me at a bar, I would probably start swinging. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a terribly immature man. I'm sorry. Uh, so that's what we're going to do, man. We're going to do the story on this weird sober living situation that uh, Patrick's sister has gotten herself into, and we're going to go and we're going to check it out. So they have to go to they, – they get, like, approval to do the story. Uh, they have to go to the – first they go to an airstrip in Mississippi, and then there they get on another plane that is going to fly them somewhere else to which they don't actually know where they're going. So that's very intense. They do that. They uh, get on the other plane. They don't know where they're going. From there, they land in, in the jungle on a weird airstrip in the middle of nowhere where they're met with a, by a couple of dudes with AK-47s. Now, um, <laughs> if Jason, were, I was texting Jason about this earlier. He had every intention of being here tonight. His main gripe, I think, about this movie was that it's basically just a retelling of the events of Jonestown. So how much actual writing went into this? Probably not much other than some simple dialogue. Regardless, um, that from there, from there, we're basically going to retrace the steps of the senator and his team, just replacing them with these vice reporters. So they touch down on the airstrip, bunch of... Um, Clearly, either Africans or, or South Americans meet them there with AK-47s and think they're already all weirded out. And we have to assume that they're not aware of the events of Jonestown because no mention of Jonestown is ever made in this movie. Uh, they're like, oh, this is weird for a, a, a sober living community. Uh, they take him to the gate of this compound where eventually Patrick's sister shows up. And she's like, hey, brother, we missed you. Come see what we did. Um they have to like hurriedly like scramble to get some shit. They weren't expecting like the, the other reporter to be there or the cameraman or anything like that. And there's a lot of, Hey, turn the camera off and all that shit. Um, from there they go in and they're basically led through exactly what you'd expect to find at the Jonestown compound, uh, hastily made little Quonset huts with, uh, some very shabby living conditions um, gardens, guys playing basketball. Uh, they, they get settled in. Uh, Patrick gets to stay with his sister up at the, the main house. Over the loudspeaker as they're walking around, they keep getting messages from this quote-unquote father character who sounds like an elderly southern gentleman. And he's like, oh, we're doing the Lord's work out here now, y'all. You just got to keep on working. We've got some guests. Oh, let us show them our hospitality. I know I sound just like Foghorn Leghorn. I don't need you to tell me that. All right? Let's move right along past the stupid accent. Um, from there, Sam and Jake kind of walk off on their own and start asking questions of the locals. Everybody is painting a very rosy picture of this place. Oh, this is the best thing ever. Uh, we'd be, we'd be dead if we didn't come here. Why would we ever want to go back to the real world? And they're like, well, what happened here? Isn't your family worried about you? Oh, no, this is my family now. I don't have a family outside of here. Oh, you have a very rosy picture. Uh, there's an old lady uh, working on a garden. There's a couple of guys playing basketball. Uh, apparently they came right out of the hood. Uh, there's an Australian lady. Um, we get to see their kind of medical facility, which has, uh, 
I don't know. It's very. Um, it's I, I imagine it was something be something you'd see more like at a FEMA encampment kind of a thing, like very hastily thrown together uh, gurneys and, you know, IVs and things like that. Uh, they've got a daycare and a school. Eventually, uh, we decide that we, we managed to talk father into an actual interview. So they're going to have a big party for these dudes that night at their pavilion. And father's going to do the interview with Sam there at the, the, the party. So before the party starts, father comes out. We get to meet this dude. He looks exactly like you'd expect him to look. Um, elderly, Caucasian, uh, southern gentleman kind of a vibe. Comes out and he's like, well, I'm just a simple country boy, but if I had to say anything, I'd say your world was a problem. We come down here, we love each other. We give each other jobs and food and give you a place to sleep. What's the outside world going to give you? Nothing but racism. <laughs> Uh, so, the, <laughs> so, uh, the interview goes back and forth. Uh, Sam starts getting a little nervous because like he's doing the interview in front of father's cheering section. So every time father answers a question, it's met with a round of applause and Sam keeps getting cut off. Eventually we find out father found out that Sam's wife was pregnant. So he starts dropping little Easter eggs about all the information he has on Sam. Sam gets very nervous and he's like, okay, no more questions. And then they go back to the, uh, Sam and, and Jake go back to their little Quonset hut to kind of like decompress for a second before they go back to the party. Now, while they're back there, this little girl runs up to him and hands him a note. It says, please help us get us out of here or something to that effect. And he's like, what the fuck is this? So, uh, they go back to the party. Uh, they, when they left the party, it was like a pretty happening vibe, you know, singing, dancing, people having, uh, there wasn't any alcohol, but I guess they were having like punch or something. And, you know, everybody was having a good time when they go back to the party, the vibe has shifted completely. And instead of like the singing and dancing and stuff, it's more like, um, it's much more culty. It's like chanting. And you ever see those late night Christian rock, um, uh, infomercials where you get to like, they want to sell you all the Christian rock CDs and it immediately cuts to the crowd at a Christian rock concert. They do that weird move where they bow their heads, put one hand up in the air, close their eyes, and then just kind of sway back and forth. That is creepy as shit, man. I don't know what the... F I've been to many concerts in my day. I've never done any shit like that. I I will throw myself into a mosh pit. I'll fight somebody in a parking lot. Um, I will attempt to have sex with uh, some young ladies in the, uh, the bathroom area if they're interested. <laughs> but I will not do that because I don't know, man. That's like a weird psychedelic experience or something. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what that even means, but it's creepy. That's what everybody's doing at the pavilion right now. But not only are they doing that, they're like chanting. It's very weird. It's a whole other vibe. So Sam and Jake are running around. They're trying to find Patrick because they want to show him the note, bring him up to speed, and get him the fuck out of there as soon as possible. So they can't find him. They do bump into his sister, Carolyn. Now, mind you, the entire premise of this uh, community slash cult was that it was a sober 
living community. It was like supposed to be like some kind of a rehab situation, right? When they bump into Carolyn, she is clearly high as a kite. And they're like, hey, Carolyn, oh, what's up with you? Uh, hey, uh, where's your brother, Patrick? Basically, she engineered a threesome <laughs> between with Patrick and two chicks. And they took him off to uh, bang the crap out of him, uh, I guess. And she's like, they're really showing him how appreciative they are of his coming to visit. And they're like, uh, yeah, that's uh, why are you high? You're supposed to be sober. And what the fuck is going on here? Um, Carolyn gets called back into the office by father. They're now full on freaked out. So they go back to their cabin. The party's over. Um, a minute or two later, they're like, what are we going to do? We got to this. Hey, we're just going to lay low. Soon as the sun comes up, we're going to get the fuck out of here and we'll report what we saw. And hopefully somebody, uh, better equipped comes down here to check this out. Like five seconds into this conversation, the little girl pops up again, bangs on the door and runs away. Sam's like, Hey, wait, get out of back here. Goes following her. And that's where we kind of, they kind of corner him. Uh, there's, it's like the girl's mom and three or four other people. And they're like, dude, there is some shit going on here. You need to get us the fuck out of here. Like yesterday, there's beatings, there's uh, torture. Uh, when he's like, wait a minute, everybody seems to love this place. No, 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 no. You only talked to the people that father wanted you to talk to. And they told you exactly what he told them to tell you. This place is not safe. And I want to get out. And then she like pulls the little girl's hair back and her back is full of bruises and shit. It's very nasty. So Sam's like, ah, oh, fuck. Uh, while he's having this conversation, two of the guys with AKs roll up on him. The the parents and the other people run, go taken off. And the guards are like, hey, what's going on here? And Sam's like, uh, uh, this, I found this little girl uh, wandering around. I thought maybe she might be lost. She isn't talking, so I don't know. He's like, we'll take her from here. So they take the girl and they, they take off. The guards do. Um, needless to say, Sam and... Um, Jake don't sleep at all that night. They wake up the next morning and there's like a full on kind of a riot going down in the pavilion. Excuse me. We don't know what exactly is going on, but there's a lot of yelling and screaming and like pushing and shoving going on. They go out there to figure out what's happening. Turns out in the night, uh, like half the people there decided that they don't want to be there anymore. And they would very much like to leave with Sam and Jake and Patrick, hopefully. Uh, Sam goes running out there. He's like, oh shit, Carolyn's there. She's still high as a kite. She's like, it's fine. It's, yeah, it's just going to work itself out. They can't leave. They can't leave. And he's like, wait a minute. You can't keep them here against their will. They can leave. And she's like, no, yeah, if they want to leave, they can leave. But their family is here. They need to stay here. So they just need to calm down. Everything's going to be fine. And he's like, uh, wait a minute. At some point, um, like, Two of the guards try to take the little girl away from her mother, and then that's when Sam like intervenes and like shoves one of the guards down. Uh, from there, all the cameras are rolling this whole time. Uh, he tells Jake to haul ass back to the airstrip and find out how many more people can fit on the helicopter that's there to take them out. So he goes hauling ass back to the airstrip with his camera, gets there. Uh, there's a helicopter there waiting. Uh, he starts talking to the pilot. He's like, hey, man, how many people can we fit in here? There's a bunch of people there that want to want to leave with us. So what do you think? Three, four, maybe five. And the pilot's like, no, 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 no. Uh, father's orders, only you and uh, the other two. They're the only ones that are leaving. He's like, no, I know, but there's other people want to come too. While they're having this conversation, the gats start busting. AK-47 fire. Boom. Uh, wounds the pilot. Uh, Jake has to duck and cover. 
ends up running back into the jungle with his camera. Uh, the guards are chasing him and shooting at him. Very scary stuff. Uh, now we're going to cut back to the pavilion, and this is where things have escalated. Uh, we're not quite sure as to what the hell happened to Patrick or um, Sam at this point. Uh, Patrick was there filming also. At some point, Patrick gets either tackled or knocked down. The camera gets knocked out of his hands. And Sam and Patrick are removed from the equation, i.e. they're just no longer in frame. And now we're going to cut to Operation White Knight, or the derivative thereof for the intents of this movie. Um, This part is pretty creepy. This is Father giving, giving his big speech about how we all need to commit this revolutionary act of suicide, and there's no choice. Uh, if we, if the, the boys get back to New York, they're going to tell the story and more people are going to come. If they don't get back to New York, people are going to look for them and more people are going to come. Either way, we have no choice but to, uh, uh, leave this world. And, you know, all the kids are freaking out. All everybody, everybody's freaking out. No, 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 no. Um, while that's happening, the nurse is mixing up the cyanide into the flavor aid and, uh, the waitresses <laughs> are, are making the rounds, passing out the Dixie cups. Um, there's a lot of, um, pushback. Nobody, f- funny that nobody actually wants to kill themselves as cool as this weird little community is. Nobody actually wants to die there. So, they're like, ah, maybe is there some alternative? No, maybe can we talk about this? Or, you know, what do you think? Uh, but then in the end, uh, Father manages to convince everybody to actually take the cyanide. And there's a very creepy scene here that is definitely worth uh, mentioning. Uh, as everybody is drinking the cyanide and the coughing and the frothing at the mouth happens, Father just kind of puts his hands up in the air and starts going, take it, take it take it with a big smile on his face and he's kind of backpedaling towards his office take it take it um those that are still refusing to take the cyanide are being gunned down by the guys with the ak-47s that's pretty gnarly cut back to uh jake who's running through the jungle at one point he drops his camera but has no choice but to haul ass uh to leave it and haul ass uh, one of the guards picks it up and he's like, the camera is rolling, but then he drops it and then Jake like double backs on him and picks up the camera again and then goes hauling ass back to the compound. Uh, Jake gets there. Uh, while that's happening, we're going to cut to the main house where we're going to find Patrick, who's been bound and gagged by his sister. Um, she just straight up injects him with the cyanide, sticks the needle right in his neck and kills him outright, which is nasty. Uh, Sam, however, though, is still unaccounted for. So, uh, now Jake has made it back to the compound. Dead bodies everywhere. Random AK-47 fire. Couple of guys walking around, dispatching the dying. Um, he's scared shitless, as he should be. He ducks into one of the cabins to avoid the guards. And there we see the little girl and her mom. Uh, they're holed up there. Uh, mom has a knife. Uh, one of the guards comes walking by. So, Jake hides under a bed. Uh, mom's like, I'm not going to let him hurt my girl. I'm not going to let him hurt my girl. And then she slits the girl's throat. And then the guard walks in and shoots mom in the head with an AK. And I think shot the girl too. Uh, after the, the guard leaves, Jake crawls out from underneath the bed and he's like, what the fuck was that shit? I got to find Sam. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, he goes hauling ass to the main house where he finds Carolyn, uh, having just killed her brother. 
she douses herself with gasoline and lights herself on fire. Boosh! She's out of the equation. He then goes to like the main, the office of the main house where he finds Father and Sam. Sam has been tied up to a chair and Father, it looks like he's taken a bit of a beating. Uh, father is there and he's like, this is all your fault, friend. I, I, we just, why couldn't y'all just leave us alone? We just want to live our lives down here together. And uh, Sam has gotten his gag off. He's like, you stole all their money, you motherfucker. You were beating them and abusing them. Uh, and father's like, I gave them what they wanted. They wanted a peaceful community and I needed their, their help to make that happen. I needed their obedience. Uh, father ends up doing like three lines of cocaine. <laughs> And then he puts a gun in his mouth and pulls the trigger. Uh, Jake immediately uh, gets uh, releases Sam. Him and Sam go hauling ass out of there. They have to like uh, hide from the guys with the AKs for a second. But then one of them, uh, one of the guys spots him and he's about to open up on him. But then another guy shoots that guy. And he's like, you got to get out of here. You have to tell the world what happened here. So they go hauling ass back to the, uh, the airstrip. Uh, turns out the pilot was just wounded and he airlifts him out of there. And then we get that, um, what do you call that aerial footage, which is very reminiscent of the early, the actual Jonestown footage of all the dead bodies out on the, uh, the pavilion area. And, um, that's pretty much into your movie. We get a little postscript about Sam and Jake being the only Eden Parish survivors. And, uh, that's it. That that's the end of your movie. Um, I'm not mad at it. I liked it. Uh, so, I, I mean, what do you what do you call this? Do you call it like a historical drama? Because it is way too close to the events of Jonestown not to be, right? And you could just change the name to Jonestown and make it a uh, historical docudrama. And that'd be fine. I'm okay with that. Father did bear a startling resemblance to Jim Jones, right down to the big obnoxious sunglasses. Um... But all that being said, I thought it was a pretty good show. It was, uh, you knew where it was going and it did not disappoint because that's exactly what happened and that's what they portrayed in the movie and there's that. So there you have it. (laughs) Uh, Streaming right now on Tubi if anybody wants to check it out. Uh, I'm going to take myself a break, inmates, and I'll come back with some other stuff in a second here. I did 
inmates. If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back. It's a fascinating thing, these cult movies. And these real-life cults, too. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm fascinated with the mentality that would draw you in and keep you locked in. You know what I mean? Because I figure, like, once, the fir- once you get handed your first beating for disobedience, that's when any rational person would be like, well, that was not in the brochure. I'm out of here. But, you know, there's that prison of belief of belief that keeps you locked in there you know i don't that's that's the part that i struggle with getting me into the cult would actually be very easy all you need is um video games pizza horror movies obviously chicks with breast implants and uh yeah i'm in where do i sign what do i gotta do sell my house is that that what you want me to do i'm in baby sign me up i'm in there All right, I'm sure we'll get into chicks with breast implants later on in the month and a more in-depth study of cult-like behavior as we we trudge through June here in the Padded Room Cult Month. Uh, That being said, my friends, I think it's time for some Terra Dome action. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll drive you crazy. I'll kill you all. I'll dream come true. Six-year-old child with this blind, pale, emotional face. The Terradome. We're going to start things off with last week's winners, obviously. We had in the Inferno, closing out the Inferno Conference um, uh, oh, preliminary rounds, we had the Demons versus the Lost Boys. Despite their true age, the boys should have known better. Making deals with demonic forces and expecting them to live up to their end of the bargain was a fool's errand at best. Unfortunately for the demons in question, David and his David and company were still very much vampires, and now even more still, very much pissed off. With a vote of eight to four, the Lost Boys defeat the demons. There's a lot to be said for style and the ability to fly. You know what I mean? And that, that's kind of the thing that we deal with here in the padded room and the pterodomans in, in general is which 
particular iteration of the fighters you want to go with. So I believe there are demons out there that could take down some hair-gelled-up vampires. Um, none of them immediately come to mind. Uh, I don't know, maybe like a uh, fucking... Uh, I don't know. Not, not, maybe like a possession kind of a thing. I don't. I'm sure there's a movie out there with some really kick-ass, scary demons that would make you think they would beat the the Lost Boys. But at the same time, you have movies like um, A Night of the Demons. You know, Angela. What, what is she gonna do? She's gonna get on her hoverboard and oh, oh. that that's about it, really. She's gonna do some sexy dancing, but that's not gonna kill anybody. At least I don't think. All right, let's take a look at this week's matchup, shall we? We are now in the uh, Asylum Conference, round one. As usual, inmates, bear with me. I'm not much of a writer. The convoy had stopped for fuel somewhere outside of El Paso. The prince's provisions and belongings were being transported from the East Coast to his new home in Los Angeles. Three heavily equipped moving trucks filled with strange cargo and very specific instructions for their handling. The Driftwood family was also on the move. Fleeing Sheriff Wydell and his Texas Rangers, moving from southwest Texas headed north. Alone and desperate, they also stopped just outside of El Paso when they spot the moving trucks. Spaulding, always the tactician, makes the call. Killing the driver and dumping the body was easy. Stealing the truck and continuing in the convoy would be, wouldn't be would be a problem either. But the three coffins that particular truck was carrying would become a very serious problem once the sun went down. Team's competition, we have Dracula's Brides versus the Driftwood family. Now, a couple of things. Um, Driftwood's crazy as shit. And uh, probably not equipped to deal with any kind of a supernatural element. They got guns. They got knives. They got that ridiculous uh, trash can body armor that they wore at the start of uh, the Devil's Rejects. Um, But there's something else they have that I think could play a role in this. And that's that beating South Texas sun. Okay? Um. But then the question begs, will they live long enough for the sun to come out? Because you got to figure, they don't believe in vampires. They're batshit crazy, right? What, you think they're, they're used to dealing with vampires and werewolves? No. They're used to dealing with rubes and rednecks and uh, Charlie Altamont and his chicken fucker uh, uh, little uh, assistant there, whatever that guy's name was. I'm just saying, um, I think I think I gotta go with uh, Dracula's brides on this. In the end, I almost talked myself into the Driftwoods, but in the end, I'm going with the Dracula's brides. Uh, that's your Terra Dome matchup for the week, inmates. It's Dracula Dracula's brides versus the Driftwood family. Get me your votes by next week if you can. The mental health hotline, of course, is area code seven seven five three eight seven zero two seven five. Email is the Padded Room two thousand eleven at hotmail dot com. Uh, also, uh, you know, I don't know. Tell me what movies you, you watch. Tell me what you think of elevated horror and if that's an actual thing or if that's just a pretentious term used by douchebags. Uh, tell me about, um, what you thought of the, the new Candyman movie. I would love to get some more eyes on that and, uh, get, get some thoughts on that also. In the meantime, 
Uh, I've got to tell you what movies I got to watch this week in a little segment called What Are You Looking At, Young Man? What are you looking at? So I got a couple of movies in this week, but I don't know if I want to talk about them just yet. But then I just changed my mind and I decided, yes, I do. So in line with our immersion therapy for the week, which was Hell House LLC, I went ahead and ran through all of the sequels as well, starting with Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel from 2018. Now, it really depends on what you thought of the original Hell House LLC. I watched this originally uh, when it first came out, and I thought to myself, that was kind of dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's found footage. Um, these knuckleheads trying to set up a uh, uh, haunted attraction in an actually haunted hotel. Okay, well, you, you, you got some kind of cheap, you know, you're kind of being cheap with it there. Anytime they set a horror movie in a haunted attraction, I usually take one point off right off the bat, just because that's kind of cheap, all right? You're, you already set up the jump scares, and you got the people in the scary mess already running around, so you're kind of you're kind of being lazy with it a little bit, don't you think? Can You can, you can probably do better than that. Um, and on top of that, it's found footage. Now, I have some pet peeves. When it comes to found footage movies, um, and we we got some, well, I don't. Yeah, we'll talk about that in immersion therapy. But regardless, uh, I was so I was intrigued enough by the first one to check out the second one. So, the, I I think the second one was actually nominally better than the first one because the first one had like that mockumentary style to it, where you know we started off with some interviews. And um, we had that twist at the end, which I thought was kind of silly. Um, and there was some, you know, the fucking the little clown things and all that. This one picks up after that situation has already transpired and the disaster at the, the haunted attraction. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you. I will say that I enjoyed this one a little bit better than the first one. I'll leave it at that. Uh, falling right in line with that, I watched the third installment, which is Hell House LLC 3, Lake of Fire, from 2019. Um, this one's really dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry. I see what they did there. They had this whole uh, a trilogy in mind, I guess, when they started the, the damn thing. But the wraparound and how we, we decided to, to button, sew up all the loose ends... And make this fucking thing somehow make sense. That that was really that was pretty not my cup of tea. You know what? You know, I felt like the, the trying to get into the metaphysical and trying to make the story bigger than what it was really kind of cheapened the all three movies in a weird way. So, but they tried. Uh, uh, I I don't want to give too much away about it because if. if some of you are intrigued. There's a twist at the end and it, it goes way beyond the scope and it doesn't make a lick of fucking sense, especially when at the very end, somebody picks up a camera and starts recording and they're like, Oh, Hey, we're here now. And this is in, 
<laughs> then what do you... I can't, I can't. I can't explain it. I can just say that I didn't care for it. And they should have kept it where it was, which was a haunted hotel. And some jack-offs trying to make a business out of it. That was fine. Leave it there. All right, don't get all metaphysical with it. Don't try to don't try to make it elevated horror. <laughs> Silly. That's all I'm looking at this week, inmates. All three of them, by the way, are streaming on Shutter. Uh, if you are particularly bored on a Sunday night and you need something to marathon, sure, knock yourselves out. Let me know what you thought. But first, it's time for some immersion therapy, and let's talk about Hell House LLC, the first installment. Immersion Therapy So here's one of my pet peeves when it comes to the found footage movies. Um, It's that exculpatory dialogue. And we get a impacted colon full of it in this movie. I hate that. It's lazy. You're... You're, you're already in the realm of the found footage. So why are we trying to develop these characters? If anything, you should get a free pass for not developing these characters. Because all we're looking at is, and I quote, found footage. If you're watching a bunch of CCTV camera footage, you're not going to find out what the guy holding the gun, uh, what his maiden's mother's maiden name was, or why he's holding the gun. It's just a guy holding a gun. It's scary as shit. So, that being said, in lieu of that, what we get is a bunch of that exculpatory dialogue that really annoys the fucking shit out of me. Um, Especially, like, in the first eight minutes of this movie, where, well, actually not, because the first eight minutes were the mockumentaries situation, but once we get into the actual Hell Hell House tapes, and the guy's trying to set up the haunted attraction, then we get a fucking double fisting of this shit, and I hate it, man. I hate that. And not only in, in found footage movies, I hate it in regular narrative movies also. It drives me crazy. Say uh, Jason and Buddy and I were going to go on a road trip, um, and we brought a camera with us. Uh, we might uh, introduce ourselves to the camera as some kind of a gag, but then when the camera's rolling, would we have to constantly reiterate our relationships to each other and you know, our, our backstories. Hey, uh, buddy, I've known you for like six and a half years. Uh, fucking you, you, you had a kick-ass Halloween party once. Remember that? Yeah. No, we know all that shit. We were there. Why do we, why would we have to discuss it for the camera? I hate that, man. It drives me fucking crazy. And we got a lot of it in this movie. That being said, um, I felt that it's, I, I, I feel that it's kind of cheap to set a horror movie in a haunted attraction. You're you're kind of um, you're cutting corners. I feel like now it can be done and it can be done well. Uh, case in point, Fun House or the Fun House from 1978. Um, what was that? Hellfest, which recently came out, it was a decent little slasher. Um, what else you got there? There there's some good. Oh, a uh, haunt. Uh, from, uh, what was that, 2018, I think. Uh, but none of these were found footage movies. You understand that? So 
you're already cutting corners with the found footage. Now you're going to cut even more corners by setting uh, setting it in a uh, haunted attraction. Okay. All right. Um, all that being said, I wasn't mad at Hell House LLC. But going into it, you have to know what you're getting into. If you want, a, in my opinion, a better version of this, go watch uh, the, houses, the Houses That October Built and the sequel. Those are much better. Uh, no supernatural element that I recall is more of like a stalking kind of a thing. Much creepier. Same thing. Found footage. Uh, guys touring haunted attractions. Uh, kind of piss off the, the uh, haunt workers or haunt actors, whatever you call them. And horror ensues from there. Um, there you have it, man. That, that, that's my thoughts. Uh, I know Jason enjoyed, uh, Hell House LLC. Uh, Buddy had mentioned last week that there was a very creep, a moment in there that he found very creepy. I was interested to know which moment that was. Cause I, I kind of felt like it was all very cheap, you know, with like the, the clown guy. Um, there, yeah, you got a scary clown there. It's a haunted attraction. You put the scary clown there. Why are you so freaked out by the scary clown? You put him there, you fuckface. All right, anyway, enough about that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Your immersion therapy for this week is going to be Phobias from 2021. It's got an R rating stars Leonardo Nam, Martina Garcia, and Hannah Mae Lee. Is directed by Camille, Cam- Camilla Bell. Uh, you can find this bad guy streaming on Hulu, inmates. Check that shit out. We will do the same, and we can compare notes next week. In the meantime, I am in need of an education, my friends. Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. Well, I just clocked in, went to my cubicle, and started typing up my TPS reports. All of a sudden, the doors and windows lock in the office, and uh, management comes down and says, I gotta kill two people, or they're not gonna let me out of here. Good thing my girlfriend's here to help me sort this shit out. She's gonna head up to the roof and see if we can find some help or signal somebody. Turns out they got fucking snipers stationed all over the place, and I'm now single. I think you can do the math. I am, of course, the Belco Experiment. That's a pretty good show. Um, it came out, it kind of got overpowered, though, because it came out the same time as another movie called Mayhem, which is kind of the same uh, situation, but Mayhem starred, um, was it Samara Weaving or the other one? I think it was Samara Weaving, and uh, it was much more tongue-in-cheek and kind of fun, you know. Oh, they're killing each other with staplers and shit. You know, it's kind of like Office Space. Uh, but Belco experiment was much more hardcore <laughs> and there was no, uh, there was no laughing or uh, cheeky moments in that one. Uh, who might I be this week? You ask? Well, I am a, um, I guess a mortician. I don't, I don't really, I work in a morgue, but I don't really do any kind of prep. I really just handle the intake and outtake of the bodies that come in. And uh, big news tonight, though, a young lady, a very uh, talented and well-known starlet, has recently passed away, 
and I think her body is headed my way. Now, I'm not any kind of a pervo or anything, but I'll be the first to admit, uh, you know, I might take certain liberties with the dead bodies of attractive women that come my way. Unfortunately, my two knucklehead friends showed up, uh, uninvited, by the way, and they want to take pictures of the dead starlet also. So uh, I just hope things don't get out of hand. And I really hope that, uh, well, it's just... I mean, dead is kind of a subjective term these days, right? Who might I be, you ask? Tune in next week, and I will drop some knowledge on you. In the meantime, inmates, I think that's about going to do it for me this week. Join me next week for Rosemary's Baby here in Cult Month in the Padded Room. Thank you very much for joining me. Oh, I do have a que- Before I go, before I close the uh, visiting hours, I do have a question for you guys. Um, and please get, get, get to me on the, the listener mail. Cause I, I need to know, um, I need to start putting out Patreon content again. And I was wondering what do you guys want me to do? What would you guys prefer? Do you want me to break down another, another, uh, series? I know I never finished, uh, American horror story, but God damn, man, the, <laughs> there is like 950 episodes of that. I did do Black Mirror. I got through that, but I think there's another season out of that. Um, I could do that. Um, I could relaunch Insomnia. I know. I'm sorry. I have not put out any Patreon content in like a year now, and I apologize for that. Thank you very much, those of you that have continued your your donations. But I'm going to start putting it out. I want to know what you guys want to hear. I can relaunch Insomnia. Uh, Insomnia was the, uh, public domain show where I just go through public domain movies. Um, I can, if you guys want to pick another series, I'll start breaking that down. Um, let me know, let me know what you want me to do. I'm, I'm open to suggestions. Uh, I don't think I can get the kids back in here is the problem. I know we all love the pediatric ward, but, uh, uh, Not without getting an uh, insufferable amount of crap from my wife and having to, uh, you know, get woken up in the middle of the night because they're having nightmares about the thing under the stairs and creep show. So that being said, let me know what you think about that. The Padded Room 2011 at Hotmail.com or uh, the Mental Health Hotline, area code 775-387-0275. In the meantime... Uh, like, comment, subscribe, wherever you found the show. That helps our visibility quite a bit. Patreon campaign, as I mentioned, is running. Paddedroom.podbean.com is where you'll find a link to that, as well as all the other, any other information you need to know about us or the Horror for Dummies posse. In the meantime, for Candyman, the Cabrini Green Projects, um, Cults, uh, jo- the Jonestown Massacre, God rest their souls, um, Guys that have, like, a weird ability to keep people around even when they don't want to stick around. Um, Steelbooks, uh, re-releases of movies that we know and love, and the Padded Room podcast. I'm afraid visiting hours are over. What did one eye say to another? Between me and you, something smells.